0: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Forgotten Events. This is your host, Katie. I have a great mystery for you today. It's a little long, but it's certainly worth the listen. This is a great whodunit. This is the story of Mayoma Writing's murder. During World War II, something wonderful was created, the Women's Army Corps. With World War II came new privileges and responsibilities for women outside of the home. Women could hold jobs, women could stay single longer. And while divorce was not as accepted as it is in today's society, it was more accepted than ever before. This gave women the opportunity to serve the country in what was called appropriate roles, if you will. In 1943, Mayoma Ridings, once divorced, was a member of the Women's Army Corps. She worked as a physical therapist at Camp Atterbury, just outside of Edenburg, Indiana. Some interesting history on Mayoma. She was born in Warm Springs, Georgia as Mayoma Little. She worked as a therapist at the Warm Springs Infantile Paralysis Foundation in her early adult life before joining the Women's Army Corps. But during her time at Warm Springs, and this just is very exciting. She had the privilege of serving as a nurse to a patient who later became a notable figure of the time. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Oh yeah. That's what I said, the president himself. If memory serves me right, he was treated for polio at the foundation. And I remember reading that he fell in love with Warm Springs, Georgia. Once Mayoma was stationed at Camp Atterbury and of course now divorced from her husband, she would frequently take a trip to Indianapolis on her weekend furloughs. She enjoyed attending big parties on her trips and was known to carry a large amount of cash when she went. On August 28th, Mayoma was granted furlough and she decided to take her normal trip to Indianapolis for a weekend of fun and relaxation. Before she left, she planned a date with Corporal Emmanuel Fisher and they were to meet up around 6 or 6.30 p.m. When Mayoma arrived in Indianapolis, she stopped at a liquor store and purchased some whiskey. That was about 4.45 in the afternoon. She then checked into her room at the Claypool Hotel between 5 and 5.15. And by 5.30, she was settled in and had called for room service. Rumor has it that Mayoma was known to be a generous tipper. And that may have been why the hotel staff remembered her so well. A little later, the bellboy arrived delivering the soda pop she had ordered. Mayoma tipped the bellboy 25 cents. That was a generous tip back then. Not long after that delivery, Mayoma would call and request some ice. It was delivered by Robert Wolfington, a different bellboy, at about 615. She also tipped him. 25 cents. While delivering the ice, Wolfington claimed to have spotted a dark haired woman dressed in black lounging on Mayoma's bed. Now, Corporal Emmanuel Fisher had been running late that evening, so he attempted to call Mayoma's room and that was probably a little after 630, but he couldn't reach her. He had assumed that since he was running so late, Mayoma had simply found someone else to hang out with for the evening. See, the two were not going steady or anything, so this idea of finding someone else wasn't a big deal. At eight o'clock that evening, a housekeeper was doing her rounds on the seventh floor of the Claypool Hotel. She arrives at room 729, knocks on the door, but with no response, She unlocked the door so that she could complete the tidying and turn down service. In no way was this housekeeper prepared for the grisly scene her eyes were about to catch. Next to the bed in a pool of her own blood was the body of half naked Mayoma Writings. And not far from her hand was a quarter. The housekeeper ran down the hallway for the phone and called downstairs to report the scene to the police. The housekeeper then returned to the room and covered Mayoma's lower body with a sheet. Right away, the military took control of the investigation, but days later decided the case really belonged to the Indianapolis Police Department. I don't understand why that would be the case, but that was the case. This clearly complicated matters. It led to vital evidence, such as fingerprints, to be lost or not collected at all. Eventually, the cause of death was determined to be a blow to her head. There was a lot of debate before settling on that theory. The blow, it appears, came from the very whiskey bottle that Mayoma had purchased earlier in the evening. Interestingly, when an x-ray was taken they could not find a skull fracture there were lacerations on her neck torso and wrists these were all believed to have been made from the broken pieces of the whiskey bottle during the examination it was revealed that while her jugular had been cut it had not been severed also the cuts inflicted on her wrist were actually inflicted post-mortem. That led police to believe that this may have been done because the killer wanted the murder to look like a suicide. When the contents of Mayoma's stomach was examined, it showed that she had consumed approximately 10 ounces of 100-proof whiskey just before her death. The examination also determined that prior to her death, Mayoma had intercourse. The experts said that they were unable to tell from the body whether or not she had been raped or had consented to intercourse. Some investigators believe that she had been raped prior to her death. The reason for this conclusion came from the violent way in which she was murdered and the fact that she was found nude from the waist down. Another possible motive other than rape was robbery. While Mayoma was known for carrying large sums of money, they could only find 46 cents in her room. She had just made it to Indianapolis, so where did the money go? 46 cents would not have been enough to cover the cost of her room at the hotel. By now, the investigation was looking to be dormant. Police received a note, however, on September 1st in 1943 that they originally thought was a clue, but later believed to just be someone looking for their 15 minutes of fame. It was discovered that the day after Mayoma was murdered, a bloody pair of trousers were dropped off at a dry cleaner. The shop worker, suspicious, decided to call police. The owner of the trousers came forward and declared that he got blood on them when he had, quote, a friendly scuffle, end quote, with his wife. Unfortunately, little pieces of information continued to pop up, which blurred the line between fact and fiction in this case. As the investigation into Mayoma's death continued, rumors swirled that the military was not cooperating as if they were trying to cover something up. Meanwhile, the federal government offered FBI lab services because President Roosevelt had been fond of Mayoma when she was his nurse while he was being treated for polio. Quickly, the suspect list started to grow. Some suspects made the list for many reasons. Some fit the profile while others were in the wrong place at the right time. Also, as bizarre as it will sound, numerous individuals confessed to the crime and put themselves and others on that list. And, as if it couldn't get any crazier, a theory took hold that Mayoma's killer is the same man that some believe is responsible for the black Dahlia murder. That's right. I said the black Dahlia murder. A man, Robert Watts, appears to have made the list because he fits the profile and it would have been easy to pin the murder on him. He had a long police record and many believed he could have done this. At the time, Watts was a city employee and because of his long criminal record, the city invoked a fingerprinting requirement for all their employees. That's how bad his criminal record was. You see, Watts confessed to the murders of two Indianapolis women in 1948. These murders were classified as sex murders, meaning that the motive was rape. Interestingly, One of the investigators in this case was the judge for Watts murder trial. The fact that the three murders had involved sexual assault was the connecting factor for the investigator for sure. Watts went to trial for those murders and was found guilty of the murder of Mrs. Mary Lois Burney. He was sentenced to death for her murder. Hours prior to being put to death in the electric chair, Watts was questioned about the murder of Mayoma Writings. He denied any involvement. One would think that with nothing to lose at this point, what would his reason be for not confessing? The next suspects were William Allen and Weona Kidd. To set the stage, they were married. William eventually committed a crime after they were married and was sentenced to 10 to 20 years. So Weona then immediately divorced him. But 14 months after the murder of Mayoma writings, William Llewellyn confessed to prison officials that he had killed Mayoma and the woman in black seen on the bed in the room by the bellboy? Yeah, that was his wife, Weona. He said that they had met Mayoma at some parties on weekends prior to her death. As he was describing the murder to the police, he said that he did not get blood on his clothing, but only on his hands. He stated that he wiped his hands on the back wall of the closet in Mayoma's room at the Claypool hotel. Meanwhile, Weona Kidd had gone back to her hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. It appeared that Indianapolis police officers had burglary charges pending against Weona. So police picked Weona up for the burglary charge. She waived her extradition back to Indiana, by the way. I think Weona was beginning to suspect that her ex-husband did something. When asked what she thought of her ex-husband's confession, she was quoted as saying, If he knows so much about it, he must have done it himself. She denied having any involvement. William would later withdraw his confession, don't they always, and claim his ex-wife was not involved. He stated that he didn't want her to be able to run around with other men while he was locked up. This was clearly his payback for the divorce, I'm certain. A third possible suspect appears to be the most unlikely. His name, Jack Anderson Wilson. He didn't appear to be a police suspect, by the way. Instead, Wilson has been the subject of many books and the fixation of many authors since his death. In numerous books, Wilson has been tied to the Cleveland Torso Murders, the murder of Georgette Bardorf, the Black Dahlia murder, Mayoma writings and numerous others, Wilson became sensationalized. In the book, Corroborating Evidence, the author claims that Wilson was a crossdresser. His cross dressing allowed for him to be the woman in black that had been seen in Mayoma's hotel room just before her murder. I don't think anyone will ever know for certain because Wilson died in a hotel fire back in 1982. The fourth possible suspect was 27 year old Marie Simpson. Marie admitted to the murder during a display of public drunkenness. She was charged with vagrancy so that the police would be able to hold her while they investigate. Marie admitted to knowing Robert Wolfington. If you remember, he was one of the Claypool bellboys. Her confession didn't match the facts or even the evidence in the case, so she was taken off the list immediately. There are two more suspects in this case. Robert Wolfington, that bellboy, he was a suspect of convenience. He was the last person to admit seeing Mayoma alive in her room when he delivered the ice. Police took an interest because they went through hotel records and couldn't find paperwork for the ICE request, so Robert was made a formal suspect immediately. Police needed to hold Robert, so they charged him with vagrancy. It seems like vagrancy was the convenient charge back then. His bond was set at 2500 Police officers would end up interrogating him in seven hour shifts without easing up. It was during this type of interrogation that police discovered that Wolfington had attempted suicide in the year prior to the Mayoma murder. The reason for his attempt was the breakdown and eventual end of his marriage. Police took to this information because whoever killed Mayoma, if you remember, they slit her wrist after her death to make it look like a suicide. And just so you know, Wolfington did not slit his wrist in his suicide attempt. It seems he tried to poison himself. Eventually, news would come out that it was common practice for the bellboys to take room service orders directly. So this takes some of the heat off of Wolfington immediately. He had cooperated and had been extremely straightforward with investigators throughout the process. So on September 3rd in 1943, he was released and no longer classified as a, quote, serious, end quote, suspect. Not that he couldn't be a suspect, but it was not likely. Meanwhile, a more sinister suspect lurked in the background. His name was Robert DArmond. Robert worked at the hotel as a steward during the day and at a local amusement park at night. On the day that Mayoma was murdered, he clocked out of the hotel at 3 18 p.m but did not arrive for work at the amusement park until 7.34 p.m. Robert's lack of an alibi is not the only thing that made him a likely suspect. Mayoma had intercourse. More than likely, she was raped prior to her death. And this fits Robert's bill. You see, in 1934, 10 years earlier, Robert was a 30-year-old school teacher at Franklin County Schools. He was married and had a child. Life was good until he raped a 10-year-old girl in Brookville, Indiana. He was tried, convicted, and sentenced to two to 20 years in state prison. In 1939, he was transferred from the prison to a state mental hospital to serve out the rest of his sentence. The superintendent of the facility stated that Robert responded well to treatment, but still showed marked sexual tendencies. In April of 1943, Robert was released into the custody of his father. His father was required to write and submit reports about Robert to the state. Robert found work, and guess where? The Claypool Hotel, just two months prior to the murder. Robert would be arrested on September 3, 1943, on vagrancy charges by the Indianapolis State Department. He was now 40 years old. The judge set his bail at $1,000. Due to the vagrancy charge, Robert had violated his parole and he was headed back to prison. While in custody, Robert escaped. But not for long, he was captured immediately without incident. While in custody, Robert was questioned about the murder of Mayoma Writings. It was observed that he had a large cut On his left hand. He could provide no explanation for the cut. When officers questioned him about what he had done between the hours of three to seven that afternoon, he was incoherent and evasive to say the least. But officers went a step further and took Robert back to the Claypool Hotel, kind of a psychological game, if you will. They asked him to walk them through what he had done on the day of the murder. What had he done while working that day? He refused to take the exercise seriously and investigators became frustrated with him. Unfortunately, in October of 1943, Robert was ruled out as a suspect without any explanation. He was never able to account for his time that day, probably because he just didn't want to. Today, Mayoma's murder remains unsolved and most likely will never be solved. Her killer, more than likely deceased by now. Of course, anyone who has any information is still asked to contact police and authorities. And I always say, you never know. Someone in that area today may know something or know of a rumor about a family member or a family friend that knew something back then. Those things seem to get passed down generation to generation. You never know. Join us next time for another Forgotten Events Mystery.